The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. We want to welcome you today, if you are listening today from podcast, especially, we can't believe it, from Austria, uh, from Vienna, Austria. We say hello to you, guten Tag to you today, and we welcome you to our worship We also welcome those of you who are here for the first time. We hope you feel the Spirit of God in this place. Also, just want to say one thing we're we're adding to our weekly uh, study schedule for you. We know that many of you want to come in throughout the week to go to a Bible study or a class, but you just can't. You have other things to do and other other places to be, and we understand that. So we are offering this next week a, a Bible podcast from me every single week, my Bible study for half an hour. We will go in depth into the Bible. And so if you just want to really hit, dig into the Bible sometime during the day or night, 24 hours a day, you, you have that opportunity to do so through our podcast, and that'll start this next week. Also to tie up one last piece of news on on significant sacrifice, today is the day we're going to give up. Uh, we are going to give over our checks from the things we've given up. As you know, I have given up Korean food for this last little while. And I will be starting eating Korean food again tomorrow. I love Korean food. And I want to invite you to join me. I will be up at Hana's Teriyaki. And I will pay for anyone's lunch here who comes and visits me. 12 o'clock noon, okay? I think we can pay for that, right, Matt? Okay. So how many people have been to a Palm Sunday worship service before? How many people have been to a Palm Sunday worship service? Most of us. How many people have been to a Palm Sunday worship service in other churches before? Most of us in this room. It's a, it's a wonderful day. It's a wonderful worship service, and yet it's very complex. We don't have the beginning of the time to begin to explain the complexity of this worship service, the why Jesus came in, to that town on a donkey. I'll just give you four quick reasons this morning. But again, remember, there's at least 10 or 15 others. Jesus comes into the town to tie into Jewish cultural history. So 100 years before Jesus, a man by the name of Judas Maccabees comes in riding a white steed. And the people felt that he was going to start a revolution. And of course, the Roman government tamped down on Judas Maccabees and that revolutionary movement And that's what they would feel that Jesus would be a part of a revolutionary movement. They were worried about this thing starting up again. And so if you have Jewish friends, then you know that Hanukkah is the day that they celebrate for that that Maccabean revolt. So that's one way. One reason for this. The other, there's many other reasons. One is that 500 years before Jesus came in to Jerusalem, a prophet named Zechariah would give uh, a prophecy that the Messiah would come in to town riding on a donkey. And so Jesus is fulfilling prophecy, and there's other prophets who foretold of this, this event. Other reasons, Jesus was, he was basically cleaning out the temple for the purity of his sacrifice. So yesterday we had a church work day here at Highlands, and we cleaned out this worship space so that we can worship God better. The Jewish people believed in the purity traditions that you would have to clean out the Jewish temple. You would have ritual cleansing. And so Jesus is literally cleaning out the money changers, cleaning out the bad parts of that worship in order that he could give himself up uh, on that Friday for each of us. And then finally, of course, Jesus is ushering in his own death. Jesus is very well aware of this cultural mix of this prophecy. And he knows as he looks over the city that he will be giving up his life for that city and for our city and for us where we are today. So those are some of the reasons, but the thing I want to focus on today is the powerful thing that happened when people spontaneously and, and by themselves connected 
with God. You see, this, this Palm Sunday thing was not planned. Like we planned Easter, like two months, three, four. We planned since Christmas for this Easter service. This wasn't planned, this Palm Sunday that happened. It, it was spontaneous. It was, it was this outflowing of hearts and connecting with God. It was this random, amazing, out-of-the-box event. And here's what I want to suggest today, is that when anybody ever connects with God in a true way, there is always that open and free flow of hearts connected to God. So my dad uh, grew up in Stockton, as you might know. He's a pastor, but he's actually a fourth-generation farmer. And so he grew up in the farming region of Stockton, and he also grew up, his parents, grandparents had a big farm over in Merced, where they did almonds and all kinds of stuff. And so dad, dad was a California boy growing up. Well, then he married my mom, and she, of course, is Scottish, but her family were partly English. And so my dad uh, would one time go over to England for the very first time and to visit uh, his future brother-in-law named Nicholas. Now, Nicholas is English, and I know that there are English people in our worship service today, and there are English people listening on podcasts. And so what I say is in complete, complete respect for, for our differences of cultural background, but the English have a tendency sometimes to to sort of play it safe when it comes to emotional expression. Uh, the, the British word for this is a stiff upper lip, right? And you try not to spit like I just did there. But you never want to show exactly how you're feeling about anything. You never want to, like, smile or, or cry or anything, and so they have a stiff upper lip like this. No free-flowing of information or hearts towards God. So my father goes over to a, a cricket match. Now, my father had never been to a cricket match. Cricket is a sport they play in England with a bat. It's a flat bat. It's a little different. But dad figured, you know, I've seen the Oakland A's. I've seen the San Francisco Giants. I've seen the Magic Johnson Dodgers. I, I love baseball. I can just connect with these, these people in my own way. So dad shows up in the flip-flops and shorts and Bermuda hat. And... Now, his brother-in-law, Nicholas, was wearing a seersucker suit. And uh, dad didn't exactly know how to connect with this. And so he said, in the middle of this long, long, long cricket match, he said, I'm just going to go get a dog and a beer. Donald, we don't have dogs over here. We don't eat dogs and we don't drink beer. We have gins and tonic, he said. And so they didn't do that. And then, and then one time when, when, when they finally, the bat connected with the ball, and dad's in his flip-flops and his sun visor and his glasses, and he said, And everybody around him went like this. Who is the American? Who invited him? And my uncle Nicholas said, Donald, over here we don't say woo-hoo. Woo-hoo, you don't say woo-hoo. No, we don't. We say jolly good effort. So so my dad had this free-flowing thing going on with cricket. And that isn't exactly how they did things there. And that is exactly what was happening with Jesus riding into town on a donkey. See, the the Jewish cultural religious tradition was very, very contained. The high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and it was very formalized and very contained. And then Jesus comes in and this whole big free expression happens. Let's take a look at our text. And what I want to ask you to do is think about where you are in your heart right now in terms of this free flow with God. And I want to be real clear, I'm not talking about necessarily needing to be crazy or, or, or charismatic or speak in tongues or anything. I'm actually asking where your heart is with that freeway with God. 
And so let's take a look at our text. So let's take a look at uh, this amazing text of Jesus riding into town. Now listen, Jesus begins this emotional outflow by looking over Jerusalem and beginning to cry. Now we're only told that Jesus cried twice in the entire Bible. Once when his best friend Lazarus died. And that this is the second time as he's looking over this city and he looks down and he then says this, as, this, as, he, as he looked down on this city, verse 29, as he approached Bethany and Bethphage at the hill called the Mount of Olives, Jesus' favorite place because he loved that little garden and he loved olives, he sent two of his disciples saying them, go to the village ahead of you and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell him the Lord needs it. I've always thought this was like Obi-Wan Kenobi going through the desert in Star Wars 1 where, where the, the people say, where's your security pass? And, and Obi says, you will let us pass. And they get through and, and Jesus says, just tell them that. Let them, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? He replied, the Lord needs it. You will let us pass. They brought it to Jesus through their cloaks on the colt. Now notice there's no palms in this particular text. It's just cloaks. And in those days, if it was a deity or even in uh, the old days in America, if there was a, a damsel or a woman who was walking over a, an unsafe area, you would put your coat down. It was a form of respect. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the ground in front of his donkey. Now when they came to the place near where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples, and this is the focus for the morning, began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Now, can you just imagine this? The people in loud voices began to praise God for all the miracles they had seen. That's the man who, who healed me from my blindness, said one. That's the one who walked on the water, said another. That's the one who stopped a storm, said another. That's the one who, who gave us food in the middle of nowhere, said another. That's the one who brought my daughter back to life again. And there's this crowd which begins to go, put their arms in the air and start to recognize God. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Think of the chant that we saw in our Maccabean introduction. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, as always happens when there is a free flow and an open connection to God, there always is a countervailing force in this world. It has always been and it always will be. And so the countervailing force of the Pharisees who are there in the city watching this, this, this uprising, this, this people expressing their hearts and their minds and their joy and their souls to God. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said, Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Literally punish them. It's actually a, it's a knock on Jesus. They're really saying, Jesus, you're not much of a teacher. If you were a good teacher, you'd keep your pupils in, 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 you know, in discipline. But look at them. are going crazy. Punish them. Jesus does anything but punish them. As he would do anything but punish us. As we would give our hearts to God. Jesus says this to the Pharisees. I tell you, Pharisees, if they keep quiet, the stones themselves will cry out. Now, this is powerful. What Jesus is really saying is God will be praised. God will be praised. And if we don't do it, the ones who gave God gave hearts and tongues and minds to do so, then even the stones will do it. That there is this natural law in the universe that God will be praised. And God will find praise where God wants praise. He wants us to give him our free flow of hearts. But if we don't do it, somebody else will. 
we actually found a, a picture of rocks crying out here, and uh, we imagined what that might look like. What I want to ask you is where your hearts are today. Are they more leaning towards where the Pharisees are, of, of wanting to contain and, and keep this, this free flow of, of connection with God in a box? Or are you more where the disciples were, spontaneously just, just connecting with God? And I want to say that we don't judge either side. We know that all of us have a tendency to be in one or the other at any given time. And there are good reasons to be in both, and I want to talk about that today. What I want to ask is, what happens for this heart that is free-flowing? You know, it's amazing. As Jesus said, let the children come to me, for to such as them is the kingdom of God. And I think it's a bad interpretation to say that, well, children are holier than adults, because we all know that's not the case. (laughs) But I do think that kids have an ability to kind of free-flow in a way that somehow adults can't. Remember when I was in first grade? And yes, I was a body double from the kid from Eight is Enough. (laughs) That is my actual hairdo. And that, those were my actual tartan trousers that I have been in therapy to work through through these years. But but this was me in first grade. And I remember I had a teacher named Mrs. Barton in first grade. And Mrs. Barton was not a very nice teacher. She might be what you might put into that Pharisee column and I don't mean to judge her, and I didn't at the time. In fact, I really felt sorry for Mrs. Barton. In, in a weird way, I felt like I might be her pastor. Now, I realized I was only in first grade, and I know this is going to be hard for you to kind of believe, but I was a little precocious as a young man. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really understand the rules that, that were involved in, in what you could say to adults and what you could. And I was never generally rude. Sometimes I would say things that I shouldn't have, but generally I was just felt that adults and kids should talk to one another in kind of a normal way. So Mrs. Barton, I mean, I remember first couple of weeks and she just was so rigid and so, so serious and just, she just didn't seem happy to me. And so I remember one day before class began, I said, Mrs. Barton, can I ask you something? And Mrs. Barton said, uh, yeah. I said, well, are you okay? I said, She said, yes, and please go have a seat. And I said, Mrs. Barton, this is Graham, okay? (laughs) Tell me, how are you really? (laughs) Now, apparently that's not what first graders are supposed to say to their teachers. She said, how am I really? I said, yeah, I've been worried about you. You've been worried about me? She said, yeah, I have been. I've been praying for you, and I just... Are you taking care of yourself, Mrs. Barton? You don't seem well to me. Because Mrs. Barton, if you don't take care of yourself, nobody else will. She said, I'll be taking care of you today in detention. And that's where I spent the rest of the week, in detention. Because somehow I didn't really get, there, there isn't supposed to be this free flow between kids and adults. And, of course, there is. And yet, where do our filters come from to stop us from this free flow? And I believe that this is my basic theory today, that that all of us have this natural instinct, this natural desire, this natural reflex to connect with God. And that somewhere along the way, these filters find themselves into our lives, such that we begin over here on this side of of being free-flowing hearts towards God. And then despite our best intentions, we find sometimes our heart moving closer and closer to this pharisaical side. So I just want to, again, ask you where you are. And I just want to lift up three things that might help us think about this this next week as we prepare for Easter. First thing is this. 
that the natural response to human hearts to Jesus Christ is praise. That is the natural response. So there was this cowboy up in, in Creston. He went to the cowboy church up in Creston, and he was, he was hoping to buy a, a Christian horse up there because you would only want a Christian horse if you went to the cowboy church in Creston. And so he went to a horse salesman, and he said, I need a Christian horse. And this man said, I have just the horse for you. He said, well, is he a real Christian? And I said, yeah, you bet he is. Well, tell me how Christian is he? He said, well, for example, when you, when you want him to kind of stop, you don't say, hoo, or halt, or, or slow down. You say, hallelujah, and the horse will stop. And and that's the guy said, well, that's very, very Christian. And then, then the guy said, well, it's not just that. If you want him to get going again, you don't say, get along, little doggy. You don't say, woohoo, get going. You just say, praise the Lord, and the horse will get going again. And so the guy's out in Crest, and he's riding his horse, and he finds a snake, and this, he forgets that the word is to get it to stop. And he says, oh, slow down. I don't know. I don't know. Finally, he remembers this hallelujah right on the cliff, and he's right on the edge of the cliff. And then he says, praise the Lord. You've already heard that one, I know, but you have no idea how hard it is to find jokes about praise and cowboys. All right, let's move on. So the natural response of our hearts to God is praise the Lord, hallelujah. And even if we don't say it with our mouths, that's what our hearts should be saying. I mean, Pascal said that in his treatise. He said, you know, that everybody has a God-shaped hole in their heart and their God-shaped hole is only filled when it's filled with God. And we actually just scream for God with our hearts all of our lives. So what happens? What happens with that? And I believe that filters come down into our hearts. Uh, just to give you an idea of how reflexive this is, I mean, I've, we have this amazing miracle of life coming into our life. We're having a new baby, and uh, she, we've just found out this next week, is coming into our lives in August. So this is a huge uh, miracle for us, but I'm reading books to try to prepare for this, right? Like, that's going to help. But I have read about this reflexive response that babies have to a finger. If you put a finger in the middle of the hand, a child's hand will just grip around it. It's reflexive. The child doesn't even think about it. And of course, if you go to the doctor, we have other reflexes. You know, if you put a little mallet on the end of a knee, a healthy knee will will go like that, right? It'll kick out. And a healthy heart will connect with God. So how do we have We go from these naturally healthy hearts to hearts that somehow aren't always healthy. And I think what happens is these filters come, like filters on the end of a camera. And these filters happen for a lot of reasons. It could be social pressure. You go out to Hume Lake and you find out about Jesus Christ and you can't wait to get down to school again and tell your friends about him. And then you tell your friends about this person named Jesus and they go, what? No, you can't do that. And it puts a filter in front of our eyes. Or maybe we are in a system that's over-intellectual. Have you ever felt like you finally figured out God and then he came to church and you're like, I have no idea who God is. That can be a filter in our lives. Maybe it's personal, rational doubt. You know, you, you had this open, free flow and then you're like, wait a minute, maybe, maybe there is no God filter. Or maybe, maybe it's a previous injury by Christians. You know, you went to another church or God, God forgive us if we've ever been a part of an injury in your life. But maybe you brought a casserole to a church function. He worked on that casserole all day long, and he brought that casserole down, and he put it on the table, and he offered it up like a great big peace offering, and everybody went, who brought that? And then you had a filter come down in your heart. Or maybe it's an oversimplification of the gospel. You know, you're like, it has to be deeper than this. Or maybe it's an overcomplexization of the gospel. You're like, wow. Or maybe you have a personal heart injury that just put some filters down between you and God somewhere along the way, and it just, it just clouded your view of God. 
I was reading this last week that Sylvester Stallone, I did not believe, did not know this, the guy who helps write and, and act in Rocky is a Christian. And he was talking about the filters that came in his life. And I just want you to think about these filters and maybe your own filters. Stallone said this. He said, I was raised in a Christian home. And then I went to Catholic schools, he says. Maybe that's a filter for him. And I was taught faith. Again, nothing against Catholics, but sometimes that rigid system of doctrinization can become a filter. And I went as far as I could with it until I got out of the so-called real world and I was presented with temptation. There's another filter. I kind of lost my way and made a lot of bad choices. There's another filter. But then he came back to Christ. And then it says, the more I go to church, the more I turn myself over to the process of believing in Jesus and listening to his word and having him guide my hand, the more I'm removing these obstacles in my life. Stallone said, I also realized that he had to trust. I had to trust Jesus Christ more in my life. He said, you need to have the expertise and the guidance of someone else. You cannot train yourself. That was a filter himself. That's our biggest filter. And I feel the same way about Christianity and the church. The church is the gem of the soul. I like that. So we have these filters that come down in our lives. And so you ask yourself this week, are you free-flowing, connecting with God, or are there filters coming down? The second piece is this. Have you ever noticed that sometimes rocks cry louder, cry louder than we do? Do you know anybody who's not a Christ follower, but they seem to talk about Jesus a lot more than you do? I have a a person that I really, really, really like. He's a person of the Jewish cultural and Jewish religious tradition. I met him playing golf one day, and I'll call him Josh because you would know him. I won't say his name, but let's call him Josh. And I just really like this guy. And I know that he comes from a very different system and a very different faith tradition, and so I want to be real careful that I don't become a filter for him, right? So I want to be real careful that I'm not pressing anything on him that, that, that makes him block out the real flow that God wants to have in his life. And so that's why, that's why I do. I pray with him, and I know that he might connect with me if he wants to really dig more deeply into it, but I'm just going to love him as a friend for a while, forever. Now, he has another friend who's a pastor he golfs with like three or four times a week. And this pastor friend, he says, he tells me about Jesus from the beginning of that golf game to the end of the golf game. 18 holes, four times a week. It's Jesus, 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 says my Jewish friend. He says, do you have any idea how annoying that can be? I said, yeah, I bet that is kind of annoying. But I just have one question for you. Why do you keep playing golf with him? See, his heart is screaming for that thing that we take for granted so, so much. People who are outside of the faith, their hearts are sometimes screaming even more than our hearts are. And so we can pray for them and we can, as the prayer said this morning, leave flyers in their way and just continue to ask that God would connect with them so that there won't be any filters in their life between them and God. So the last thing I just want to lift up for you today is to ask that you and I would experiment with a free flow of hearts to God this next Easter, this next Sunday. Now, people have asked us, why are we doing this big worship service, the Mid-State Fair? I mean, it's going to be a lot of work to haul our stuff over there, and we had to get all kinds of permits, and we, it's, it's a lot of work. And we know that you are working hard on this too. So why are we doing this? Well, you know, a bunch of reasons. One is we, we do want to have one big worship service where our whole church can meet in the same place. Two, we do want to offer a place where the gospel of Jesus Christ can be proclaimed and spoken and, and stated. 
But the biggest reason we're having this service, we want to have a celebration, a big celebration of not just me up front or the worship band up front, but everybody connecting with God where you are. Now I'll tell you the biggest debate we've had this last month or two. I kid you not. We've been planning this since Christmas. The biggest debate we've had is whether or not to have beach balls at that worship service. I mean, should we, you've been to the football games or the concerts, I mean, it's going to be a big arena. Should we have beach balls going around and, and you know, people punching up the balls where they are? Should, should we not? I mean, we prayed a lot about this. Seems like a small thing, but we've, we've, we've prayed about it. And I'm here to tell you we are going to have beach balls. <laughs> now, when the beach ball comes around to you, you, you can just do this. It's okay. God will meet you there. But if you want to step over here a little bit, maybe even throw a hallelujah in there or hosanna, that'd be okay too. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this thing we take for granted, this free freeway of heart that gets to connect with you. Lord, I pray that our next Easter would be a celebration that, that would be way bigger than anything I can offer from the front or that any of our worship band can, that it would be a spontaneous outpouring of our love for you, our appreciation for what you did on the cross for us. Lord, I know that there are people here today who have filters, that life just presents these filters and I pray that you would remove those filters from our life one by one so that we, we can really free flow our hearts towards you and you towards us in ways that we can never comprehend. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org.